This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hey, this is Joe's sister Nikki. I think I might be the only girl in the world who has a brother who spends his entire day in the basement pretending he has an internet radio show. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and today's show is all about control. What can you control in your life that can be helped with your money? Here to help us grab control of this podcast, we welcome from your richest life planning, CFP, Katie Brewer. Plus, from the Afford Anything podcast, Paula Pant. And rounding out the team from LenPenzo.com, it's Joe Rogan. Nah, he's busy counting all his money from Spotify. It's, it's all we could get was Len Penzo. Sorry, folks. Plus, during our Friday FinTech segment, we'll talk with a little tiny firm with a new FinTech app. I think they're called uh, Fidelity Investments never heard of them well we'll see what they got plus we'll still make sure to magnify a lucky listener's money and we'll dive into the one thing i control around here my trivia and now a guy who hasn't controlled the remote control at his mom's house in years joe salsiha And that's because mom says it's better for all of us because the shows I like stink. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Friday on the Stacky Benjamin Show. I am Joe Salci. I average show money on Twitter and the guy across the card table from me, as you heard in Doug's Open, as the week off, which means we're going to take you first out to Los Angeles. And my friend, another baseball aficionado, Mr. Len Penzo. How are you, Joe? Well, I'm good, but summer. how often has your remote control been stuck on baseball this summer? 
Uh, I try to keep it on as much as I can. Like I said, uh, the Dodgers, I'm, I'm really hoping that this is going to be their year. And uh, as long as they don't cancel the season. I was going to ask you that. that. Do you think that by the time this airs, we're recording it a little early, you think the season's already been canceled? By the no, time? I, I certainly hope not, Joe. I, you know, no. after 32 years of waiting for a, another World Series for the Dodgers. So and uh, they have a good chance this year, but we got to get through the season. Well, guess who we have with us, Len? We have a woman who thinks the Dodgers are the best team in hockey. It's our good friend from Afford Anything, Paula Pant. Oh, wow. The Dodgers are a hockey team. I was so sure that they were a shuffleboard team. She just, I love how you run with it, Paula. You're like, oh, I will, goodness. I will own that. Or they might be the name of a figure skating league or perhaps uh curling or, oh, luge. Where did you the get Dodgers. your appreciation of sports from? Well, where did I get a thing that doesn't exist? Nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> I have no offense to sports fans, zero interest wait, wait in the world of sports. But Paula Pant, you grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. I've been Correct. to Cincinnati, Ohio. Those people are rabid. You know they're rabid about their sports, right? I mean, I think that's true of many people everywhere, but I've mm, just didn't catch the bug. Just didn't, didn't catch, avoid didn't it. Didn't catch the Rona, as it were, <laughs> except I did. The big red machine. Is that the Cincinnati Reds? Ah, look at that, Paula. Wow. That is educated guess. Another Simply cultural I reference. Can the word red together. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of catching the Rona, the woman who's just back off from that tour, Katie Brewer joins us from Your Richest Life Planning. Hello, I'm back from the dead and uh, ready to party. I have to tell you, we were so worried about you when you wrote a couple of weeks ago when we thought you were going to be with us and you said, hey, I think I have a pro Houston, we have a problem. Yeah, well, it was uh, especially fun because I took a coronavirus test and it took them like 16 days to get back to me. So like literally everybody in my life that knows that I was sick, plus a lot of my clients, plus just some peers are like checking on me every couple of days. And I'm like, I'm still hanging in here, people. Oh, man. <laughs> so so what'd your family do? Were you off in a room by yourself? Yeah. So we had a, a little rock, paper, scissor moment there where, you know, my husband thought it would be good for him to to still stay in the bedroom. And I was like, you're not going to be anywhere near me. So I kind of uh, sick claimed the bedroom and pretty much made that the TV watching room, the sleeping room, my temporary office. I just kind of claimed it. I was like, I coughed all over it already and it has a bathroom attached to it. So you guys go elsewhere. Like, don't come in this room. Well, the good news is you were able to keep the practice up and running. Tell, tell everybody about your richest life planning and what you do there. Yeah. Uh, so I have a financial planning firm, a fee-only financial planning firm called Your Richest Life. And I work mainly with uh, 30, 40, 50-year-olds, kind of just helping them figure out goals and be able to meet them financially. Well, you work with people that often feel like they've got so many priorities swirling on top of each other that they don't have control, which is why today we thought we'd talk about control and focusing on what you can control. So Let's do it. Let's get this party started. All right. Partay. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. To kick off today's discussion like we do most weeks, we have a celebrity reader, somebody from the financial community. And today's reader is not only 
the man behind the great website frugal.com, P-H-R-O-O-G-A-L.com. But he also is the author of a great book on personal finance called You Only Live Once, and that's our friend Jason Vitug. Jason? I am the one thing in life I can control. Written by J.D. Roth. Three weeks ago, I drove from Portland to Colorado Springs to participate in Camp FI, a weekend retreat for people interested in financial independence and early retirement. Under normal circumstances, I wouldn't drive this distance. It's a 1,300-mile trip that takes at least 20 hours to cover. Or if you're me, it's a 1,400-mile trip that takes 23 hours of driving spread over two days. But in case you haven't noticed, we're in the middle of a global pandemic And although I'm not nearly as cautious as many of my friends, I don't relish the idea of confining myself to close quarters with dozens of strangers for hours on end in an airplane. Besides, I like to drive, and I love the beauty of the American West, and I needed some time alone to think deep thoughts and to listen to Hamilton's soundtrack over and over and over again. Around noon on day two, as I exited I-80 in south-central Wyoming, I was listening to Hamilton for the fourth time in 24 hours when I was smacked in the brain by a lyric I hadn't heard before. I pulled off the side of the road to think about it and to make some notes. Wait for it. For those few who are unfamiliar, Hamilton is a hip-hop musical that tells the story of founding father Alexander Hamilton and his contentious relationship with, well, everyone, especially Aaron Burr. Burr is a nominal antagonist of the show, Although truly he's no villain, Hamilton's most prominent frenemy, Burr is also a complex character. Alexander's biggest beef with Aaron is that his rival seems wishy-washy, as if he has no moral compass. If you stand for nothing, Burr, what will you fall for? Hamilton asks early on. It's a question he asks repeatedly throughout the show. To Burr, though, this chameleon-like nature isn't a character flaw. It's a survival mechanism. It's a strength. He's adaptable and patient. He believes Hamilton is too loud and too reckless. Each major character in Hamilton gets a song to define who and what they are. Burr's song, Wait For It, comes in the middle of the first act. Burr sings, Life doesn't discriminate between the sinners and the saints. It takes and it takes and it takes and we keep living anyway. We rise and we fall and we break and we make our mistakes. And if there's a reason I'm still alive when so many have died, then I'm willing to wait for it. And then Burr says, I am the one thing in life I can control. I've never actually heard that line before. But there, in the middle of the rolling Wyoming hills, the lyric hit me like a ton of bricks. This is a powerful line in the context of Hamilton. Sure, but for me personally, it's something close to a guiding principle. I've written extensively about the power and necessity of being self-directed. It's one of the primary themes of this website. But here's the thing. As important as this notion is to me, I sometimes lose sight of it. This is particularly true when my struggles with mental health become severe, when the depression and anxiety threaten to pull me under. In these moments, I forget about personal agency and locus of control and related ideas When I'm in the throes of depression, everything is overwhelming, even the simple stuff, and it feels like I'm in control of nothing. A very strange year. This has been a strange year. 
I know, I know, everybody's saying it, but it's true. And while we as a society are enjoying this crazy year together, my own personal 2020 has had its own special flavor of weirdness. As you recall, 2019 sucked for me. Objectively, my life was great and I could see that. But subjectively, I was miserable. My lifelong depression reached some sort of crescendo and was made specially spicy thanks to some new, unwelcome, generalized anxiety. Mental health issues stopped me in my tracks last year. After several months working with a therapist, I made some progress. In January of this year, I took a break from alcohol and began waking at 4 or 4.30. It took a couple of hours to adjust to this new routine, but by mid-January, I felt great and was enjoying my greatest productivity in years. Yay! As our country and the world descended into chaos in March, April, and May, I still felt great. I was insanely productive, both for our business projects, such as creating my upcoming fire course for Audible, and household projects, such as landscaping the backyard. I was flying high. There was a stark contrast between the overall mood of the world around me and my personal mood. I almost felt guilty. It's an odd thing when you're doing well individually while so many other people are suffering. I'm not sure I like it. Then in mid-June, things went haywire. Slowly at first, then all at once, my depression and anxiety roared back with full force. I found myself paralyzed by fear once more. Blark! Was I drinking too much beer? Taking on too much work? Overwhelmed by current events? Flustered by chaos here on the homestead? Our fence fell down, the hot tub broke, the fridge is dying, the sewer line is clogged, and so on. Whatever the cause, I'd reached a dark place by the end of June. It felt like my life was out of control. Like Alexander Hamilton, I felt I was stuck inside a hurricane. Fortunately, I recognized the problem quickly. And that moment in Wyoming, hearing verse sing, I am the one thing in life I can control, was key. A wake-up call. It reminded me of my philosophy. I realized that I was focusing too much on my circle of concern rather than my circle of control. I fought back. During July, I took several steps to combat my depression, among others. Step one, I stopped drinking alcohol. I had my last drinks on Independence Day. My goal is to go one year without this stuff. No, I'm not being 100% strict. If I find myself in a social situation where it's better to drink than to make a fuss, I'll drink, but not much. And these situations should be rare indeed. I've had one such occasion since Independence Day. Step two, I called my doctor to ask about medication. While I'm not opposed to meds, I generally don't like them for myself. I don't like the side effects. Plus, I have this stupid idea that I shouldn't need them. Well, in reality, I do need them. That much is clear. So we're playing with things to see what works. Step three, I uninstalled my stupid video game. Again, if you're a long-time reader, you know that computer games are my kryptonite. In small doses, there's nothing wrong with gaming. It can be a great way to relax. But when I'm in one of my funks, gaming becomes an escape, a way for me to avoid reality. Until I'm moving forward under my own steam again, it's best that I simply avoid the temptation entirely. Step 4. 
I shifted physical fitness to my top priority. Like it or not, my body image has a profound effect on my overall self-image. I wish this weren't the case, but it's true. Plus, eating right and exercising is conducive to long life and an effective way to fight depression. So with help from my buddy Jonathan at Choose FI, I'm embarking on a six-month quest to lose 30 pounds. I'll write more about this soon. In short, I stopped allowing myself to be a victim of external forces and started exercising agency. I am the one thing in life I can control. I need to exercise that control in whatever ways I can. It's the only way out of the pit of despair. It's far too early to say how much these changes and others I'm making will help me, but I'm confident that things will improve in short order. They already have to some degree. I mean, the first thing I wanted to do this morning was write an article for Get Rich Slowly, and I have a list of other things to write about too. Coming out of the dark. During my two weekends at Camp FI in Colorado Springs, I spoke about the true history of financial independence and early retirement. These ideas have been around much longer than most people think. My talk was rough, and I know it, but I hope to develop it into an interesting and useful presentation in years to come. And I hope to share a written version of this presentation here at Get Rich Slowly in the near future. But for me, Camp FI is less about sharing what I know and more about connecting with like-minded friends and colleagues. I had a blast both weekends. I hung out with new friends and old. I got to spend a bit of time with Michelle Jackson, who is one of my favorite people. Between weekends, I spent four nights in Mr. Money Mustache's basement. He and I hiked, swam in a creek, and had deep conversations on his delightful deck. I had lunch with Piggy from Bitches Get Riches and met her chickens. I also had lunch with John from ESI Money. I got to know Mr. Refined from Refined by Fire, and so on. By the final night of the second weekend, I was more relaxed than I have been in months, maybe years, as I sat outside with the diehards until the wee hours of the morning, telling stories and laughing, I felt alive. I felt myself. I felt as if I were in control of things once more. My road trip helped me re-realize something else important about my depression and anxiety. My suffering is intensified when I spend too much time alone. I feel better about myself and my fellow humans when I interact with other people, whether friends or strangers. I genuinely like people. They're amazing. I need to do a much better job of seeking out human contact if I want to maintain my mental health. If only we were in the midst of a global pandemic. Big thanks to Jason for reading today's piece. And by the way, we'll have a link to Frugal and to You Only Live Once and our discussion with him about it uh, when he came on the Stacky Benjamin Show to talk about it at our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. Katie, I referenced you in the beginning that you work with a lot of people that feel like they've got just so many priorities. Like it's often people that you work with, I would think, who think, man, there's so many things going on right now in my life that I can't control. Yeah. 2020 has been a challenging year (laughs) for sure. I'm finding sometimes we're actually doing planning and then undoing planning. So this has been one of the first years where we uh, took off the gloves in the first three months and made a 
made a savings plan for the year. And then actually we spent the next three months sometimes undoing exactly the things that we had just done because priorities shifted, jobs changed. Suddenly people are finding themselves needing to work from home when they didn't work from home. And so um, it's been good. But then I say, this is what we've been training for with my clients. Katie, besides having uh, Facebook taken away from you, what do you do to try to remember to only do the things you can control? I think like Lynn, I really like to make sure that if I just get really irritated about anything that I give myself space and grace. So being able to like step away for a little bit and also to not be as hard on myself. Honestly, I was talking about me being a type A. I still am. I'm just barely more of a type B now. <laughs> but I do tend to hold myself to like a much higher accountability than I hold anybody else. So sometimes for me, it's just stepping away, um, being able to get some space, but also give myself some grace. And honestly, sometimes that means like chatting with an old friend or, you know, having family members help me out or going to the therapist, things like that. I think that's for me, the biggest thing. And sometimes just getting off of social media and or sometimes pushing back on other people's expectations. I know specifically, I've had multiple people that are like, what big project have you been doing? And I'm like, I have a 10 year old that went to virtual school for a month and a half and I run a business and I'm trying not to go insane. So I checked those three things off and I'm not going to feel even an ounce of shame because I didn't lose 40 pounds or like redo my entire house. Or I think everybody <laughs> thinks everyone's like sitting at home, like being the best version of themselves. And I'm like, yo, I got fat because I went to the freezer a lot and got that Ben and Jerry's <laughs> almond milk ice cream because that is also how I deal with stress. But I'm not going to feel bad about it because some people apparently go into beast mode and I go into Ben and Jerry's mode. Ben and Jerry's mode. Yeah. But it's funny, you definitely then had a different uh, experience with COVID than a lot of people have had, because I've heard about people <laughs> losing lots of weight in the worst possible way when they when they have COVID. Oh, well, I had nausea for a couple of days, so I, I did get a kickstart on my whole like lose the COVID weight. <laughs> but apparently as soon as the nausea stopped and the stress kicked back in uh, with me in the fridge. We're buddies again. Right back at it. I want to ask uh, about some of these specific things that JD talks about. You know, he talks about, I stopped drinking alcohol. I uninstalled my stupid video game as a couple of things that he knows that he can control, right? To do. And I'm wondering if there's any of those things that you've done in your life, maybe specifically around your money uh, lately, where you took control, where you thought maybe you didn't have as much control. Paula? Well, I'm trying to think of an aspect of my money in which I thought that I didn't have as much control. While you're doing that, why don't I tell you one that we just did? I just moved my savings account over to a different savings account because of the fact that I usually don't keep a ton of cash in one place. I leave my cash reserve in a piece of my brokerage account. 
Uh, so I have that directly where I can move it in and out of investments and have it in one account. But because of my house sales that just happened, I'm now sitting on a lot of cash. And so one thing that I did was I got a new savings account that I think that I'm going to keep for a long time. Uh, Cause Cheryl and I've been talking about using that now for our goals. And uh, it's a savings account that has partitions. So I can have this money's for our trips. This money's for our, it's something we've talked about a lot doing and I've actually even did with clients and I've never done that before. And now I'm super excited. And we just uh, set that up today. Ah, can I ask who is it with? It's interesting because, you know, we talk about comparing interest rates over at Magnify Money. They're always in the top. They're never the top, but I like the feature of that partitioning and having one account and it's ally. So I went to our Magnify Money link, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money and uh, hooked myself up with an ally account. Excellent. That sounds like a good choice. How about you? Okay. Well, I will say probably one of the most important things that I, I started doing a few years ago is I manually track my net worth on a spreadsheet. You know, there are automated platforms like Personal Capital that will track your net worth for you. And they're great. And I use them too. But making the decision to do it manually, I mean, there, there is a certain level of control there, you know, in terms of I'm logging into every account. I'm kind of going through this exercise that in my view is a bit of a moving meditation where I, as I log in and I look at the number and I transfer it onto the spreadsheet, that's my time to think about each number that I'm writing down. And it's, it's very time consuming. So I only do this twice a year, once in the winter, once in the summer. But to me, it, it allows me to have a greater degree of control over as compared with if I were relying on automated systems alone. That's fantastic. I like the thoughtfulness and just taking the time to do that because it really is. It sounds like more, Paula, that's your biannual meeting or I guess it'd be semi-annual meeting, wouldn't it be? Not but biannual meeting, your semi-annual meeting to think about your money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a semi-annual meeting with myself. Yes. You ever get angry at yourself? Tell yourself that you need to do a better job? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes I do. You ever fire um, yourself from doing the spreadsheet? <laughs> and then the other I one of you takes I'll over. I fire myself from running afford anything. <laughs> That's where I, I'm well, really the bottleneck. I was to say, I've had those days too. Like if we could get rid of that guy, stacking Benjamins would go so much better. Days, uh, it's been years. <laughs> Everybody's working around that guy. Len, how about you? You know, I've actually went the other direction recently, and I'm glad I did. I actually went to a little less control in, in a certain area, and I want to talk about that. So, and, and what I did is I took some money that I was some investments that I'd been managing, some individual stocks. I had a group, and it was getting to be too much for me, actually. I, I felt I bit off a little more than I could chew, and I needed some help. People who were more expert. X had more expertise in the particular field I'm interested in for investing. And so I went to a managed fund. It's actively managed now. So I have an account of my stocks that are being actively managed by some experts. So, and I feel much better about that. So uh, I guess that's actually, you know, it's in the reverse direction, but it's taken a lot of stress and I feel much more confident now. Who are you? What? What do you? What do you oh mean? man, is he like the former do-it-yourselfer now? Yes. If it's, you are only ninety-nine percent do-it-yourselfer, you're not I qualified. Do, it's like I, I don't do even know who Len Penzo is anymore. No, no, no. I do almost everything myself. But there was a there was an area where I was not. Uh, I felt I could do much better by tapping people who 
who were experts in the field. And so I went to a, a managed fund that was managed by people who were experts in the field. So, but that's just a very small part of my finances. I do almost everything myself. But Len, it's just like you guys are so the world is changing around me. I mean, Paula, the other day we were recording an afford anything episode and she got, she totally understood a cultural movie reference. Ooh, which one was it? Wow. I, it certainly wasn't Molly Ringwald. No, it wasn't my, Oh, well that restored my faith in humanity when you had no idea who Molly Ringwald was. <laughs> I knew that the real Paula was still in there somewhere. Same Paula. <laughs> <laughs> but Katie, Katie, how about you? Well, so I work directly with clients I was actually a little excited that uh, around March, the markets went way down in case anybody was paying attention. And the last time that that happened and that I was in this career field, I had a lot of people really, really panicking. So I assumed that it would be the same deal again. So I actually made some proactive calls out to people um, just to say, hey, I'm here if you need to talk. You know, if you're worried about anything, let me know. And I was so surprised and shocked that some of my clients were like, well, you always told me just not to look at it. Should I look at it? And I'm like, no, don't go look at it. Nice. I'm, like, I'm not looking at it. And I'm like, oh, somebody listens to me. This is amazing. So actually, this is other people's finances, not my personal. But I was super excited because my clients actually listened to me, you know, at like a 50% or better rate. Which was super exciting because that did not happen the last time there was, you know, a, a major economic downturn. But I do like um, the point, which is that you you can't control the markets, but you can control calling people and doing a temperature check, making sure everybody's okay. Right. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. So, um, and then on our personal finances, my husband was like trying to sneak into our accounts and stick it under my nose. And I was like, uh-uh, buddy. I told all my clients not to look at balances until, you know, it's at least 15 days past. So you're also not allowed to do that. I am abiding by my own rules, sir. So like, I did not. <laughs> I did not look in and and shed a tear over the 401k losses because I was like, telling all my clients not to do it. I'm not going to do it either. <laughs> you should be. You should have been in my world for the last seven years, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sitting on gold. Watching it slip away. Right. My gold in my mind. I was going to say, is that yeah, Bitcoin where you, where you put everything that you owned into Bitcoin? Talk about uh, control. Well, I do like this idea of focusing on what you can control. And we'll link to this uh, piece in our show notes uh, page at stackingbenjamins.com. Well, normally on the Friday FinTech segment, we talk to companies that you haven't heard before that are doing some cool things in FinTech. But you know what? I also like it when big companies actually do some cool, innovative stuff with FinTechs. So we've talked to Ally before. We've talked to TIA. We today are going to talk to our friends at Fidelity Investments who have a, an interesting app called Fidelity Spire. And I'm super excited today. We're going to talk to the vice president, young investors at Fidelity, Kelly Lannon. So let's say the hello to Kelly and learn all about Spire. Hey, 
And on my dad's shortwave radio, joining us is our new friend, Kelly Lane. And Kelly, how are you? Good. How are you doing today, Joe? Well, I'm fantastic. And I always get excited when I hear that a company like Fidelity has a cool new app out. What made you guys decide that, you know, maybe we need a little more help? Well, if you're excited, Joe, you can only imagine how I'm feeling. Um, I, I could not be more excited about the launch of Fidelity Spire and to talk to you today. And, you know, really uh, both both a passion of mine personally, as well as more importantly, Fidelity is we take great pride in helping young adults who are really just getting started on their financial journey start to feel more confident with their money. And, you know, ultimately, like like all of our customers, really live the life they want. And, you know, many of our younger customers, they are really strong savers. You know, they're strong savers. You know, they're pretty good with their money. They, they always tell us that they want to do more, but they really just don't know what that is. And so they turn to us for advice, especially when making the transition from savings to investing, because investing for a lot of people, you know, can feel very intimidating. Yeah. And, you know, young people, like every people, every single person out there, you know, they're balancing various goals, various priorities that they're, they're working towards. And so with Fidelity Spire, we wanted to create an experience to really help young adults or anyone who really need help um, prioritizing those financial goals. And Joe, this is something, you know, we we did start uh, before the pandemic happened, but, you know, now more than ever, I think we can all agree people need help and they're turning to institutions like Fidelity to really help them navigate their finances. Well, that's what I was thinking, Kelly, is that in this time, you know, we joke here that every day just ends in why we don't know if it's a weekend. We don't know if it's a weekday. I know. What, what month, can you remind me what month are, are we in again? I mean, the sun's out. It's hot here. So I guess it must be summer, but you know, I agree. Yeah. And we were just talking to Charles Duhigg the other day about the power of habit, you know, and how we, we have habits, whether we want them or not. And so creating some, some good habits. I think it's good to take control again, especially now. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. And and that's what we're trying to do, you know, with, with Fidelity Spire. And, and, and Joe, do you mind? Can I get right into it? Can I just talk a little bit about what it is? I know you've already heard a little bit about it. No, but I'd love to do that. Take it from the top. Do we go to the Fidelity website or do, do we go to the app store? Do we go to Google Play? Where do we go? Yeah. So I would recommend going right to the app store, iOS, Android. We support both platforms. Um, You can go right to the app store and take a look at Fidelity Spire. And, and you know what it is, it is a new free goal-based financial app that can help young adults, as I already mentioned, both save, plan, and invest for both their short and their longer term goals. You know, it's not just about something 20 years in the future. It's not just about retirement. It's about the things three months in the future, five months in the future, or heck, next month. What would be um, some examples of those type of things? Yeah. So especially with our users, when they're thinking about and yeah, to be honest, if you asked me uh, a few months ago, might have had a different response. But time and time again, travel was always the number yeah, one right. priority or goal in one's life. Obviously, that shifted. And now we're hearing more and more especially with younger generations who through the past couple months are those who are most worried about job loss is emergency fund. Emergency fund is the number one goal priority that a lot of younger adults are focused on right now. And when I say emergency fund, it's really money set aside in case the unexpected happens. So we often see that as one of the goals that is highlighted as is especially in the short term. And then of course, especially with, with, you know, with young adults as well as I would argue all generations, student debt comes up time and time again. 
So those are kind of the three main buckets we see the most of where, you know, younger people seem to prioritize and in, in thinking about where their money is going. Gotcha. Yeah. So speaking of those goals, you know, within the app, um, users can start to track progress based upon these goals that they selected after linking an account that is really aligned to one's goals timeline. Um, this allows users to really make the most of their money in, in the time designated to help them reach each of their goals. And while we do want users to start contributing money towards their goals, we also do know that a lot of our users do need help. They need education to explore financial tips on how to make the most of their money. So we actually have a learn section that provides education, financial tips and tricks based upon both the goals they selected, as well as based upon other things in their life, such as their, their health, their job careers and what they're looking for. So really learn encompasses all of that. And I have a question as you're talking about learning. I love the fact that people can go deeper and, you know, you can self-select what you need to learn and what you maybe already have a handle on. But back to the goal setting, when I put in my goal, so let's say my goal is an emergency fund. I want that to be $2,000. I want to have it by the end of the year. What does it do then, Kelly? Does it show me then how much I need to save per month to get that goal? And then I track my progress along that? Exactly. And, and we actually have two ways of helping you calculate those numbers that you just mentioned. One is, you know, that was very specific, Joe, you know, <laughs> I need $2,000 by the end of the year. How much do I need per month to save? That's amazing. So you can definitely do that. But we also hear from a lot of people that they don't exactly know what the end amount is. Oh. But what they do know is they do know how much per month they can put towards those goals. So let's say, Joe, you know, based upon your, your quick budgeting exercise is that you have about $50 in spare cash allocated out of the end of each month, accounting for the bills you're paying, uh, the money coming in, money going out, et cetera. So you can actually put in for that emergency fund. I can put 50 bucks in each and every month. I still need that money by the end of the year. And then we'll calculate what that end target amount might be. And so based upon that target amount, let's say you, you were aiming or you see, and you're like, oh my gosh, I can only save $500 by the end of the year. You can actually mess around with your monthly contribution and you can actually see, oh what, man, I really need to contribute about 10 more dollars in order to reach that end goal of 700. So you can kind of look at both views in terms of really calculating how much per month or how much your target amount is. Gotcha. And then once I have that set up and I've gone through the learning, I think the other thing that I can do inside the app is I can just start investing automatically toward them, right? Exactly. Yeah. We, we give people the option and I do want to make it clear, like with Fidelity Spire, if you're a Fidelity customer, great. You can take full advantage of the app, but we also have functionality for a pure prospect, not a Fidelity customer, just someone who needs help can come in and download the app. So the app really is accessible and can be used by everyone. You don't necessarily need a Fidelity account to get started. However, going back to your question, in order to make the most of the app, you want to have a Fidelity account. You can either use an existing, if you're an existing Fidelity customer, or you can open a net new account within the app. Um, we offer two account types directly in the app, but of course, you know, you can open others, you know, outside of the app and with Fidelity. One is a Fidelity cash management account and the other is a Fidelity Go account. And really with the Fidelity Go account is that's a way to get started with investing right away. If you don't feel comfortable, if you do feel comfortable investing on your own, you can also open up another investment type account, but you can get started investing right away. And once you link that account to your goal, you can start to track your progress to the goal. And we actually keep you up to date with messages, push notifications to let you know how you're doing. And I want to go through those two types of accounts, Kelly, just briefly for people. So a cash management account, that'd be perfect for something like this cash reserve, right? Because I don't want to invest that money. What else is the cash management account kind of appropriate for? 
Yeah. So really a cash management account, you know, I often joke better than a bank. Um, It's a good place to both save and spend in that account. No minimums. And one of the best parts, especially, you know, for people who are always on the go or going to different places is that it's zero ATM fees. So you can take cash out whenever you want. Um, You get a debit card. So that's really the beauty of a cash management account. It's really more appropriate for people who have some of those shorter term goals, like I just mentioned, for example, a trip they're going on in six months or more importantly, that emergency fund that we already talked about. Is a go account then like a, a target date fund? No. So a go account is actually our managed account. Um, you know, for some of your listeners, you might've heard the term robo advisors. Yeah. A Fidelity go account is really for individuals who may not necessarily feel comfortable investing on their own. It is our lowest cost managed offering where you answer a few questions about yourself. Um, we give you a proposal on where your money would be. And then Fidelity actually helps manage your fun- money for you as well as we'll rebalance it for you. Meaning if the, if the market goes up and down, we're monitoring that for you. You know, we're always on your side. Um, so that is really meant for people who may not feel comfortable getting started on their own, um, which honestly is, is a really, you know, good option for a lot of younger people who may not have that confidence to get started with investing that, that we previously touched upon. We always, when we talk to founders about new fintech coming out, we always find that there's something they're working on or hoping to do next under the hood. You know, Kelly, nobody listens to the show, so this would be our secret anyway. Is uh, <laughs> is there anything you could tell me that's not on the app yet that you guys are hoping to do besides what's out now? Yeah, and you know, something I'm really excited for is we will be implementing trading functionality within oh. the app both trading equities as well as fractional shares. And, you know, we did something, maybe some people would view it as a little backwards, but we purposely didn't necessarily lead with trading. And the reason being is that we really do want users to kind of take a step back and spend some time educating themselves on trading before necessarily diving right in. Trading, investing can be good ways to make your money work harder for you, but we feel like it's our responsibility as well as we take pride in financial education. So with the learn section, as well as various functionality in the app, we're hoping that users can educate themselves and when and if they feel comfortable, when the trading functionality is implemented within Fidelity Spire, they can go ahead and place a trade or two. Well, I love that. I love starting with the process, you know, beginning with the end in mind. Our longtime listeners are rolling their eyes because they've heard me say that Stephen Covey phrase about nine bajillion times. But I think without knowing where you're going, what are you going to trade anyway? Yeah, I I think that's a good question. You know, for a lot of people who are first just starting out, you know, if they did want to tackle investing on their own, they would have the opportunity to have access to all the different equities, mutual funds that are exist within Fidelity.com or our retail flagship app as well. And with bringing in fractional shares trading, you know, people can actually set a specific dollar amount and they have access to companies that they might not have had access to before. Uh, The Amazons, the Apples of the world, because it's just been too expensive. But kind of going back to to my previous example, if you know how much, you know, excess cash or spare cash you might have at the end of the month, you can put that dollar amount, you know, within the app and trade that versus buy a specific share of a company. Well, congratulations on the launch. I know talking to members of your team, Kelly, you guys have been working really hard on this and- uh, we will have a link on our show notes page to Fidelity Spire. That's at stackybedjamins.com. Kelly, thanks for hanging out with us for a few minutes and talking about Spire. No, thank you so much. And, you know, anyone check out Spire and please leave feedback in the app. We love that. And Joe, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Hey, trivia fans, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And did you know that on this date in history, back in 1971, Stanford tried a really weird prison experiment 
I also made a movie about it a few years ago. Check it out. Here's the trailer. Uh, uh, Steve, yeah, roll that. Would you rather be a guard or a prisoner? I don't think I have the qualities to be a guard. Prisoner. Prisoner, I guess. Prisoner. Sounds like it would be a little less work. Prisoner. What's that? Nobody likes guards. Good afternoon, gentlemen. This experiment will be an extension of my research into the effects prisons can have on human behavior. You're gonna be pleased to know that you all have been chosen to be the prison guards. But under no circumstances whatsoever are you to physically assault the prisoners in any way. So remember, just as you were watching the prisoners, my graduate staff and I will be watching you. Wow, so they got all these students to be either guards or prisoners. The whole thing was dropped in six days. Six days! Can't figure out why they didn't keep going. So in the interest of science, hashtag Doug 2020, I'll be your science first president. I'm going to pick it up where they left off. Now, I've determined ahead of time that I should be a prison guard and OG and Joe should be the prisoners, duh, if the shoe fits. You know, sorry guys, I don't make the rules. Okay, I have the ankle bracelets here for you guys. I'll put one on me and the other one I'll put down here under the table right there. Oh. So, uh, you know, when they come back, we can tie them together. And... Okay, all right. I just accidentally chained myself to the table. Uh, oh, oh, boy. Um, hey, guys. Oh, guys. Hey, guys. Um, huh. All right, we're just, we're going to go ahead, uh, and I'm just going to get to today's trivia, and we'll figure out this whole you know, me chaining myself up thing in a minute here. Uh, since we're talking about prisons, how much does the U.S. spend each year to operate its prison system? I'll be back with your answer faster than you can plead the fifth. And hopefully after I figured out how to get the chain off the table leg. God, if there was only a simple way to do this. I'm not helping him. Just, just, just saying I am, I am not helping him. Uh, so usually we'd have the score right here, but, uh, not only does Karen, the producer not have it, but we're recording a little bit ahead right now. So we don't know the score, which makes this even more exciting. When we last left off, Paula though, was coming on strong, but I believe was still behind. I think, I think I'm in second place, maybe. It's Every all tens. It's 10, 10, 10. Oh, which means that. Remember uh, last week, who, what, who, the Paula stand in made it 10, 10, 10. They did. Who? Jennifer. That was Jennifer. It was, it was, it was the octaves question. Yes. That was the, uh, the Metallica question. First. Yeah. I went first and I, and I blew it. <laughs> That's right. So we are tied 10, 10, 10. Which means that we'll let the guests go first since there's a three-way tie. Uh, Katie, would you like to go first in the middle or last? How about last? Okay. And uh, Paula, you were the last one to get here. So I'm going last to you. Len hasn't had the chance to guess in the middle for a little while. Len, middle or first? Well, I'll go middle. All right. Which means, Paula, you're uh -oh. setting the bar here. The pr U.S. prison system 
How much money does the U.S. spend on the prison system? Oh, dear. I have absolutely no idea how to even begin to answer this. Well, just think about your time in the pen. (laughs) Jeez, okay. I'm just thinking about other major government programs that I know of and amounts that get allocated to that. So like there was $2 billion that was put towards PPP loan funding. Oh, dear. Heck, why not? I'll just say $2 billion. $2 billion. Mr. Penzo. Yeah, that's a good one. I have no clue. $2 billion. That sounds like a pretty reasonable number, actually. I don't think oh, I'm going to go... You're welcome. Let's see. So now it's more of a game theory thing here. So what what do I got? I got to make it hard for Katie. I can't just give it to Katie, right? I can't just Chelsea, Brennan, Paula, because then Katie could Chelsea, Brennan, me. And then I'd be out of it. So uh, two billion, that's a good boy. I think that's a good number. I think it's higher than that, though, believe it or not. Yeah, would that be right? There's 50 states. This is in all the United States. All the United States. 50 United States. Let's say 50 United States times there's 100 million. Let's say 100 million per state. And that's probably on average, I'm going to guess. That would be 5 billion, I think. Uh, I'm doing this without the aid of a calculator. 5 billion. Paul said 2 billion. I'm going to say Four and a half billion. 4.5 billions of dollars. Katie. You need clarification. So does this include state prisons? Because I believe they are funded separately from federal prisons. Or does this just include anything that anybody in the U.S. spends on uh, incarceration? It's anybody in incarceration, not just the feds. Okay. I'm going higher. Lynn, you went what? Uh, I'm not telling. Len <laughs> <laughs> was at four and a half billion dollars. Gosh darn it, Joe. <laughs> Sorry. I'll go with six billion. I think it's actually higher than that, but there's no reason to go that much higher. I thought that she was going to go 4.6. Katie's nice. <laughs> I, I would have said four, four and a half billion and one dollars. <laughs> Just to let you know, just to let you know, Lev, where you and Paula stand right there. (laughs) There it is. That's the big I love you, man, right there. Uh, You know, we'd love to tell you what the answer is, but we got to first do this. Whether you're working from home or working on your fitness, you want what you're listening to to be what you're listening to. Not what your roommates, your neighbors, your significant other, your kids are listening to. Everybody needs a great pair of wireless earbuds. But listen, before you drop hundreds of dollars on a pair, check out wireless earbuds from Raycon. You already know Raycon earbuds started about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market. And they sound just as amazing as other top audio brands that you know. Their newest model, the Everyday E25 earbuds, the ones that I'm wearing right now, are their best ones yet with six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, more compact design that gives you a noise. Did I say noise? Noise. I noise isolating fit. I took the word nice and the word noise and I put those together. A noise isolating fit. I sound like I'm part Australian. 
Raycon's wireless earbuds are so comfortable, in fact, perfect for conference calls, binging podcasts, making podcasts. What I like about them is it also comes like other wireless earbuds in this little tiny case. But I got to tell you that six hours, a lot of companies out there say that you get a long battery life. I get such a long battery life from my Raycons. It's amazing. Plus, they're comfortable. They're stylish. I can't tell you how happy I've been with mine. So unlike some of your other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are both stylish. They're discreet. No dangling wires or stems to distract anybody during video calls. Some of those wireless earbuds with the stems hanging way down, I don't know, not great looking. The company was founded by Ray J and celebrities like Melissa Etheridge, Brandy, J.R. Smith, Mike Tyson. They're obsessed with their Raycons as much as I am. Now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. You'll get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash SB just because you're a stacker. That's 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash SB for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Buyraycon.com slash SB. Okay, so Paula, you set the bar at uh, $2 billion and everybody thought that was too low. You think that's too low? I mean, I have absolutely no idea how to guess. So I just took the uh, PPP funding budget and just stuck it onto this. <laughs> the amount of money, small and small business people, they're all crooks. So it's probably the same, <laughs> probably the same number. Yeah, I swear that thing ran out in like 48 hours. So I don't know if that was <laughs> 13 days. Well, Round one ran out 13 days. That I was going to try and swindle it, but they, they closed, they shut it off before I could get to it. So that was the end of that. Before you could uh, go uh, falsify some documents to buy the Lamborghini. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess they saved me from myself. And, and then Lem would have known how much money at least one person <laughs> cost the government. But Len, you said four and a half billion dollars, more than double Paula. Feeling good about that? No, I'm not. I have no clue, Joe. I'm not feeling good at all. <laughs> and Katie... I want to know why you're so confident that it's a big, huge number. Is there a backstory here that we don't know about? There's a lot of people in prison. All right. I thought maybe there was some. I, I don't hey, know. Joe, real quick. Yeah. Joe, can I ask the eight ball if I should feel good about my pick? <laughs> Let's do it. All right. Here we go. Eight ball, magic eight ball. Should I feel good about my pick? Oh, man. Eight ball threw you under the bus. Well, Len, Len, based on the last couple of years of the Magic 8 Ball, that may be some good news for you. Just just kind of saying that might be we'll all right. See, we'll see. Yes. All right, Doug. Uh, what is, I'm afraid to ask Doug anything when he's over there trying to uh, get out from under that desk. Doug, you got it from here, man. Hey, trivia fans, it's your no-nonsense law and order enforcement basement deputy prison warden neighbor Doug. And yes, I just compensated for this chain incident by giving myself a promotion. You would not believe it, but these guys are going on with the show with me sitting right here, right next to them. I'm right here. Move over, Joe. I can smell your lunch. Or is that your cologne? Anyway, no idea yet how to get this chain unattached so we can start the experiment. So let's be the pro here and lock down today's trivia answer. Or ha, let's phrase that better. 
let's free today's answer. <laughs> let's open up the answer cell and let everyone have access to today's answer. Yeah, that's way better. The question was, how much does the U.S. spend each year to operate its prison system? Would you believe it cost the U.S. $80 billion to operate the prison system? Based on how this prisoner studies going to reform Joe and OG, I think they should just send the check my way and get me a bigger basement. I'll take those prisoners off your hands. I got to get back to my uh, uh, my own lockdown experiment, if you know what I mean. See ya! Actually, I'm not. I'm not actually going anywhere. I'll just hope you guys kind of move along. A little bigger than the PPE, Paula. Off by an order of magnitude <laughs> and then times four. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. And I guess, Katie, you you were right. There's a lot of people in prison, apparently. Hey, man, they've got to have guards. They've got to have electricity. They have to have food three times a day, you know. Congratulations, Katie. By the way, OG's going to be very happy that you won on behalf of him. So it's it's funny how the Texas people stay together on this show right there. Oh, I was playing for OG. <laughs> <laughs> Had she known, she might have said $1. Hey, let's uh, magnify somebody's money. Help somebody do better with their money. Today's hotline call comes to us courtesy of magnifymoney.com. When you go to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money, you know what you find, Katie? No, tell me. Well, you find that those financial products you use every day, nowhere near the best in class, especially if you're at a brick and mortar bank, over 92% of the products available online all ranked at Magnify Money. By the way, I went to Magnify Money when I made my savings account change, stackybenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money. And today, actually, our friend uh, Pete the Planner, who's been on the show a fair amount, uh, he's a USA Today columnist. And somebody asked Pete this question. I thought it would be fun. No offense to Pete. I liked his answer and we'll link to that in our show notes, but I thought it'd be fun to ask the three of you this question. And it's this, my 40 year old son was laid off in April and hasn't gone back to work yet. His unemployment looks like it's running out and he has no money. He's unlikely to be able to pay rent on his apartment moving forward. Do you think we should pay his rent for him or should we insist he move in with us? He's single and we get along very well, Elizabeth in Columbus, Ohio. Katie, what do you think about that? Because I feel like this may be a lot of people in this situation. Man, yeah. And you've got the uh, the whole like mother guilt, I think. <laughs> like, I swear that uh, us moms sometimes go over and above to help out kids sometimes to our own detriment. So I, the biggest thing that I would always ask clients is how is this going to affect your life? And is it going to affect it positively or negatively? Or do you know? So they did say that they all get along pretty well together, um, which is good. I know for my family, I love my family to death, but I'm pretty sure we've all come to the conclusion that I should not live with any of them ever again. <laughs> Um, so for me, I would rather go bartend again or wait tables to pay my rent than to have to move in with my mom. I love you, mom. You would literally love them to death at that point, huh? Yeah, man. I just, you know, we get along really great as long as there is some physical space, which is not if you are living on top of each other. What about so the financial considerations then? Does she pay his mortgage for him? Or pay you his know, rent? Honestly, I feel like the best thing 
when you're helping family members out is to establish something really clear as in we will pay your rent for two months or you can move in with us for six months. And that is the extent of what we're doing to help you. But I think I'm more of a, a hard nose person than other folks are. Um, and sometimes I give these suggestions to clients and they're like, what about two years? And I'm like, well, do what you want to do. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you how it affects your finances. Paula? First, I have to just say, I was totally wrong on the PPP number. So got to say that before we get a bunch of uh, uh, letters. I was way off. Apparently, the first round of PPP funding was $350 billion. The second round was $310 billion. So they allocated $610 billion to it, $510 billion of which have been disseminated according to CNBC as of June 2nd. So you would have been over then had you used the same number. Wow. Where on earth did I get that figure from? Why was that in my head? Man. All right. Well, so for the record, for, for everybody listening... Two billion is not even remotely the PPP number. Apparently, it's six hundred billion. <laughs> not a great day for Paula in the numbers, whether yeah. it's that PPP or prisons or whatever. Uh, what do you think about this question, Paula? Should she pay his rent or have him move in? I am not a fan of paying rent for an an adult who could otherwise pay their own rent. You know, for an, an adult family member, and and you know, this may come from my own family where my dad was like, all right, the minute you graduate from college, you're an adult and you have a degree. So don't look to us for anything. He very much felt that it was important to uh, a person would learn adulthood by learning how to stand on their own, you know, by learning how to hustle. And so he saw his responsibility as making sure that I got educated. But then after that, uh, -uh. after that, it's all me. And so my, my answer is probably biased from the value that I saw in that. It sucks to have to live with your parents, but if somebody is highly motivated to not want to live with their parents, then it's up to them to come up with the money to not live with their parents. So, so I think it's completely fair to say live with parents until come live, live with parents because that will motivate you to find the money to not do this. And I'm going to be in as annoying as hell the whole time you're here. No. <laughs> As a kid? Yeah, no, as a I'm saying as a parent, yes. I will be um, that parent that establishes the rules and you're not going to like any of them, but it's my house, so. Right, exactly. And if you want to, you're, you're always welcome to live with me. You're never going to be homeless. You always have the option to live with me. But if you don't want to, if you want a better option, it's up to you to go be an adult and pay for that. So yeah, living with me is your safety net. And if that's not a palatable option to you, then it's up to you to do something else. Len, what do you think, man? Uh, well, of course, uh, the home is always going to be there in my book. So, but it's not going to be pleasant. Let's get one thing straight. I'm not going to pay your rent. You're, you're coming back here. You'll be living on the couch. I'm not going to let you plant your flag here because especially at 40 years old, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out, you know, we're a few months into this. And the gentleman apparently doesn't, he's 40 years old. He's three months in, he's already getting kicked. He has unemployment insurance. 
and he's already getting kicked out of his apartment for said, lack of rent. So that means he didn't much. He must not have had a very big emergency fund. It says his, I, his, just, his unemployment looks like it's about to run out. So he's no longer yeah. going to have where they live unemployment anymore. Right. We're only a few months into this. So, I mean, he didn't have three months of expenses already saved up. So at 40 years old, I think you should have, there's no excuse for not having at least three months of living expenses. And then the, the insurance payments, unemployment insurance payments would have been gravy on top of that. Sounds hard, but you know, sure. You can come home. I'm not paying your rent. You're sleeping on the couch, especially at 40 years old. You're not planning your flag here. And uh, I better see you out there looking for a job. I don't care what it is. So you can build, build up enough funds. That's what I'd say. It doesn't sound like in this case, like I didn't get the feeling from the letter, like the son's asking for help. It felt more like the mom is, it wants, really wants to volunteer to help. And also, I think one other thing, it doesn't it feel like, Len, this time's different. Like this is a different situation than what we've had in the past. Oh, yeah, I get it. And, and I'm, you know, I feel the same way the, the woman, does, the mom does, you know, if, if that was my 40 year old son uh, in that predicament. He's always allowed to come back home. Uh, but like I said, it's, it's you know, it ain't going to be, you know, I just can't let you plant your flag here anymore and, and yeah. let those roots set in. Right. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. you can't do that. Yeah. So um, I can say I'd be a little more lenient if the kid was in his early 20s and had left the nest or 18 and left the nest. You know, by all means, come on back. Here's your room back. And, and but, uh, you know, 40 years old, I got to I'd be a little bit more tougher. No, but that is a good. Yeah, go ahead, Katie. Just from observation, I've got a couple of clients that are either first generation or second generation here in the U.S. And I find it really interesting because they are very open usually to parents moving in or then helping family members out, sending money to brothers and sisters. And we have this thing in the U.S., I guess it's the individualistic culture where anytime that somebody needs help. We're just like, why can't you stand on your own two feet? And I mean, I'm totally like that. I just mentioned that <laughs> family members and I just don't probably need to live together. But I do find it really interesting just because I feel like there are a lot of other cultures out there where family is much more fluid, you know, like family could include just you, your spouse and your kids, or it could include your parents moving in, or it could include a brother or sister needing help temporarily. But I do just find that interesting that we're, we're such individualistic culture here in the U.S. that sometimes we kind of, I guess, shame people for like helping family members out. I come out of this culture. So I was born in Kathmandu, Nepal. And so my parents and I are Nepalese. Our culture is, is certainly one in which it's common for big extended family to live with one another. You know, our family house in Kathmandu consisted of grandparents, all of the uncles and aunts and their spouses and the kids. You know, it was a very, very big extended family unit where when a woman gets married, she it isn't that she and her husband go form a, a individual home of their own. It's when a woman gets married, she's into her husband's home with his parents and all of his siblings. And, you know, and that's where they create their family. And so, yeah, the, that concept is that's very core to our family, but that's, it's different than sending, than, than giving somebody money in our family. You're always welcome to come back home. The concept of not allowing somebody to come live in your home with you, 
that concept isn't really there. So if I ever hit upon hard times and I wanted and I needed to move back in with my parents, that would always be an option or not even with my parents, with cousins, with anybody, that would always be an option. Like family would always let me live in their home, but living in their home is very different than them giving me money so that I can live separately from them, renting a separate apartment from them. That would be antithetical to the notion of all of us being together. It would be antithetical to the Cohe family. Like, why would you subsidize somebody living separately? Yeah. And your internet and in does not want you to make this point. It is like really, <laughs> it is really hijacking your your point. <laughs> oh, good old hotel internet. <laughs> but it is interesting the difference between cultures. Thanks, by the way, to uh, Steve in our audience who who said that he thought that we should take a crack at that one. If you've got something you'd like us to talk about or you uh, would like to call and ask our panel uh, for help, head to the Magnify Money line. It's stackybedjamins.com forward slash voicemail. Hey, that's going to do it for today. And uh, let's talk about what's going on where you live. We'll start off with a woman whose Internet is quickly deteriorating. Uh, her, <laughs> I'm sorry, her shortwave radio. <laughs> Her shortwave radio exactly. is, is deteriorating. It, well, I, I've been watching so many Dodger shuffleboard games that must be occupying <laughs> all of the shortwave bandwidth. They're throttling yeah. your short. The man is throttling your shortwave. You've used it so <laughs> much. Now they're throttling you. So on the Afford Anything podcast, which you can download anywhere where finer podcasts are found, there's this wacky dude by the name of Joe Saul Cihai who joins me to answer questions that come in from the community. So if you've ever wondered, what does Joe Salcihai sound like when he's actually trying to impart some sort of knowledge? Tune into the Afford Anything podcast to find out. Fake news, Paula. That's fake news. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is very fun. And by the way, I don't think that guy's wacky at all. He's brilliant. I think brilliant was, if, if by wacky you meant brilliant, that, that yes. Yes, yes. wacky brilliant. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, Real wacky. <laughs> Len, what's happening at lenpenzo.com? Hey, on LenPenzo.com. Oh, and first off, uh, Paula, thanks for not having a Nobel Prize winner or a Pulitzer Prize winner as a guest. Uh, hey, you know, hey. You know how I always hate following you. I'm sitting right uh, here, lad. My... I'm sitting oh, right no, here. No, that's right. Actually, I do have a Pulitzer <laughs> Sorry, Prize winner coming on as a guest pretty soon. Charles Duhigg. Okay. Because Joe knows how I hate following you, Paula. Um Anyways, but on LenPenso.com, I have uh, – I know people hate getting ripped off by the credit card companies, but on LenPenso.com, I'm highlighting nine ways we get to rip off the credit card companies. So stop on by and and uh, learn a few things, and you can take your revenge on the credit card companies. Fantastic. That is time well spent at LenPenso.com. Katie, thanks for coming back. Yeah. Thanks for having me on for seventh or eighth or ninth or 10th time. We've lost track. Well, I didn't mean on the show. I meant thanks for coming back from the COVID. <laughs> yeah, a, that too. Holy cow. Wow. Katie and Paula. And now Len, you and I uh, sitting here with bullseyes on our chest. Yeah. The two old guys here too. No, the ones who are most vulnerable. That's right. That's why I'm glad we're over the shortwave. Uh, Katie, uh, what's going on at your richest life planning? Well, actually I did my six year birthday blog post, which is always exciting because right. I kind of get to sit, sit back and, and do like a year in review and see what I've done and where I've been and 
you know, how I haven't lost 30 pounds, but I didn't include that <laughs> in the six year blog post. So I, I just put that out and we've got some other ones um, about managing investments during the financial crisis and then ways to adjust your financial plan during the pandemic. I'm a big fan of, as I'm talking to clients, thinking of things that could help more people than just that particular person. And so a lot of these things have been coming up especially folks that, you know, are, are like high achievers and are just really irritated that we set a plan to go down a certain path. And so I've actually been doing a lot of talking with clients about, you know, these are weird times and we have to be flexible. And sometimes you think you're going north and you have to adjust and go northeast. And focus on what we can control. Exactly. Yeah. And it's all at yourrichestlifeplanning.com. And by the way, we'll have a link to Katie's site and practice on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com, along with Paula's amazing, amazing guest this week and uh, Len's fantastic article. <laughs> All right. That, that's that's good. Did I emphasize one of those too much? I don't know. Uh, that's going to do it for this you week. You mean the Pulitzer Prize winner, right? Yeah, that, that's exactly what I meant. All right. Uh, no, no, no. The other one, Paula. The other one. Oh, the Brill Wacky guy. <laughs> All right, Doug, take it from here, man. What should we have learned today? Yeah, sure, Joe. Since I was chained to this table the whole episode, I had to listen to you nerds drone on and on and on about stuff. So here's what people should have learned. First, take a lesson from our round table. To avoid a midlife crisis, focus less on milestone goals and more on goals you just don't check off your list. This will help you to spend your time focusing on what lies ahead rather than all the things you've accomplished that are behind you. Second, Take a lesson from Fidelity Investments. Trying to get ahead? Gamify things by diving into some of the cool fintech out there that can help. Press the easy button and let technology be your guide. But the big takeaway? Turns out, the best way to get this chain off a table leg? You ready for this? Are you ready? Apparently, the bizarre solution is you just, like, lift the table up. You just, you just like, grab a corner and... And like pull it up and the chain just falls right out. Yeah, I knew it the whole time. I knew it. I knew the whole, I was, and I was going to like give you a big prize for whoever solved it first. But luckily it was, it was me because I knew it the whole time, you know, or Len. Well, probably the two of us together, even though Joe was the one who lifted the table. But I, you know, I was thinking it, thinking it the whole time. Now, um, yeah, well, hey, on to another riddle. How do you wake up sleeping pills? I, I'm probably going to need one later, and I just want to be polite. I, I want to figure out how to wake him up. Big thanks to Katie for joining us on the roundtable today. You'll find a link to yourrichestlifeplanning.com on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. Paula Pant appears courtesy of affordanything.com and the Afford Anything podcast. Len Penzo appears courtesy of LenPenzo.com and all of the darkness and doubt in the world. This show is created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Karen Rapine, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and there's a 73% chance that I played Chuck on Happy Days. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remunerations. 
That's a big word. There's no way you take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. And before making any financial decisions, consult with a real financial advisor. What do you suppose they call that? A novelty act? I don't know, but it wasn't too bad. Well, that's a novelty. Welcome to the after show. This is the part of the show that doesn't exist. We were going to do something different today, but I just saw something that our friend Doc G over at the Earn and Invest podcast pointed to. And this is a Forbes article. Listen to this, guys. In a twist on loyalty programs, Emirates, you know, the the airline, Emirates Airlines, Emirates is promising travelers if they're infected with COVID. They will give you a free funeral. Whoa. <laughs> That's dark, man. Isn't that dark? <laughs> if you're infected with COVID on their plane they're, or just if you're infected? They're promising travelers a free funeral. <laughs> Len's asking about the technicality. So if I get infected. <laughs> hey, maybe if I can take advantage of this, hey, it might be worth it. Yeah. yeah. Let's go ahead down to the honeybee immediately after this. Hey, call up Emirates. <laughs> If this thing hits me, if the COVID gets through the the shortwave radio, uh, you know, I could steal Katie or Paula's uh, test results. Maybe you turn those in on my, you know. <laughs> yeah, we'll just doctor the name. <laughs> it is if you get it uh, there on the airline. Emirates Insurance for Travelers stipulates that if one of its travelers, is, one of its passengers, diagnosed with COVID nineteen during their journey, the Dubai based airline will cover their medical expenses up to about $176,000. It'll also pay $118 per day for quarantine costs, such as a hotel room for up to two weeks. And if the worst happens, Emirates is going to have about $1,765 for a passenger's funeral. So, you know, you really messed up, Katie. The second you knew you were positive, you need to jump on a plane. Well, now I know. Jeez. That is, by the way, that is, by the way, me being funny, that is not advice. Dude, (laughs) Do not get COVID and go jump on a plane. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe I said that out loud. Uh, But I was wondering about the other analogies, you know, with this. So if you're Nike and somebody breaks their leg wearing your shoes, do they pay for surgery? Man, the airline industry is hurting so badly right now. I think they're just for like, what, can anything get people on a plane? And somebody was like, I know, guarantees that if they get sick, we'll cover it. And they were like, that's genius. And um, that's how this came about, probably. Holy cow. If I use a big pen and it explodes all over my shirt, does big pay for my dry cleaning? Is that it? 
maybe? No? Paula? My guess is that part of the reason that they may be offering this is that they're worried about getting sued. Like if somebody catches or claims to catch COVID-19 on a flight, they might be worried that they would be held liable. And so I imagine that this is, you know, like those workplaces that offer these really nice severance packages, but the trade-off is that you have to sign away all of your rights to like sue your yes. your former workplace if you take it. Yes. I imagine that this is the severance package of, <laughs> of severance flying that battle. airline. Do you think it's like lawyer driven? Yeah, like they'll give you a really nice severance package like they'll give you a really nice uh sorry you got COVID-19 package but in exchange you have to sign away all of your rights to be able to sue them but that's quite a that, that's quite a permanent severance that they're covering <laughs> yes exactly exactly <laughs> but imagine if the family were to sue them or go after them and it would drag on in court for a while like this way they can at least calculate their costs I can't imagine being in that room making making that decision if it, what if it wasn't lawyer related though, Paula, what if it was marketing driven? Mm. If it was, Hey, so like Katie said, so, okay, Bill, what are you going to do? And Bill's like, Oh my God, I got nothing. I know somebody dies <laughs> on the plane. We'll pay for the funeral. Let's, <laughs> let's build an ad campaign around that. Oh man. You know what? If it was marketing driven, of course, the marketing talking points that they would want us to be emphasizing would be the we'll pay your medical bills and your quarantine costs. That's true. So yes. Maybe they was, were. Maybe yeah, Joe I mean, just that, you know, picked up the, what the heck is a funeral cost doing in here as a marketing thing? <laughs> well, but I mean, but that's all, that's a very good point. If it is a marketing thing, then they really erred by adding in the funeral costs because of course the media is going to pick up on the most outlandish piece of it. So, and, and any good marketer should know that. Or, or maybe that's good line because we just said the word Emirates like eight times. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about it here, aren't we? I think they should sweeten the pot, though. I think they should probably add uh, – they'll throw in a half million frequent flyer miles and um, and maybe uh, – uh, If, uh, if I, I die – If I die, I get half a million airline miles. Yeah, I, or they'll make an honorary <laughs> million-mile flyer. There you go. Get, get, put you in the million-mile club as well. Yeah. That's good. Well, well, that's, now, now I might consider it. Now I might consider it. <laughs> Honey, if I die on this flight, I finally get to gold status. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Hashtag winning. <laughs> and the free funeral. They could put you could put the you could put the award on the casket. <laughs> you can see that at Led's funeral. And <laughs> Emirates finally gave him that first class suite of his own. Oh, the lay flat seat. <laughs> well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is military appreciation month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees 
are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy federal website, resources like best cities after service to help veterans transition to civilian life and best careers for military spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.